Welcome to the Jacksonville Bar Association podcast. My name is Craig Shoup. I'm the executive director here at the Jacksonville Bar, and we're excited to have you today. Today we have joining us Rebecca Black. Rebecca was admitted to the Florida Bar in 2006. Rebecca worked as an immigration attorney at a small firm with David Fletcher during law school and after being admitted to the Florida Bar. In October of 2012, Rebecca opened her own firm, Rebecca Black Immigration Law, where she focuses solely on immigration, including green cards, naturalization, visas, refugee and, and asylum, business immigration services, and deportation and removal. Before we get started, I do want to say a special thank you to all of our Jacksonville Bar Association sponsors. These sponsors include Ameris Bank, Dex Imaging, Dixon Hughes Goodman, Member Benefits, Mulholland Investigation and Computer Forensics, Veritex, Florida Lawyers Mutual Insurance Company, YFAST Networks, Charles Van Consulting, CH Mediation, Ullman Wealth Partners, Diamonds Direct, and Scarlet Group. At this time, we do have a quick message from one of our sponsors. Hi, my name is Angela Merritt, and I'm with Dex Imaging. We are a provider of solutions for copiers, printers, scanning solution, document management, and specialized with helping law firms. We've been a long-term partner of the Jacksonville Bar Association and very honored to be able to be a partner with this organization. You can reach me by calling 904-419-0211. We appreciate the support of all of our sponsors of the Jacksonville Bar Association. Well, Rebecca, after all that, welcome. We're glad you're with us today. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to talk about anything that my firm does and myself. Of course. So let's start, I guess, at the beginning. What made you want to become a lawyer? I resisted for years. I thought I was going to go to law school after college and then ended up deciding I wanted to be in the restaurant business. So I worked in Spain. I worked in France. I worked in D.C. I worked, uh, I kind of went back and forth a lot. And, uh, you know, after about 15 years of the restaurant business, and I did five years of outside sales and light industrial temporary help up in Atlanta. And all my employees in Atlanta were people from other countries, you know, because that was in the uh, around the Olympics and after, and the growth was just tremendous. And uh, you, it, it was just crazy. But after 9 11, then I was driving around Atlanta worried about potential I 9 violations for those of you who do work. Force compliance, you understand what I'm talking about. I understand, yeah, I was worried about I-9 violations in my paperwork or with employees and stuff. So I said, you know, this was very Gestapo to me. I, I need to go to law school and be an immigration attorney and, and, and solve big things. That's great. Now, I do know when I was doing some reading about you and such, um, you worked for Euro Disney. Many folks may not know, some folks do. I'm a huge Disney nerd. I love Magic Kingdom. Peter Pan is my favorite ride. I've always, a, a, I'm a kid at heart. Disney cruises are fantastic. I should get a sponsorship for Disney for all of this, but I, we don't. So uh, tell us about working for Euro Disney and what that experience was like. Well, as I always put it, most people have somehow been fortunate enough or not fortunate enough to be invited to a soft opening of a restaurant with family and friends or something. And you go and it's a disaster. You know, you, you order drinks and they show up three hours after you get your dessert and, and it's just slow and, and nothing coordinates. And that's the point of the soft opening. 
to give everything, to figure out what you're missing, what you forgot to do, what you forgot to order. Oh, gee, nobody thought about that. And so it was the same thing with Hero Disney. I, I uh, got there in, I want to say, October. Uh, the opening was April 12th, 1992. And it was... You know, you get there and everything looked like a flat mud field outside of Paris. You could see where they were beginning to build, uh, you know, the princess's castle. But it just, you're like, how are we going to open up in April? And so it just, it just grew. And then about a month before we opened, that's when we got our employees. And like I said earlier, about that's, you know, when you do a soft opening, that's when you have the opportunity to figure out what you forgot. Well, Euro Disney or Disney Paris, is, I think it's now called, is about 14 miles outside of Paris. And the last metro stop was about three miles away. So there was no student housing to put them up in. There was no, you know, nobody had anything. It was just kind of like this, where, where is everybody going to be put? And so, you know, you're supposed to be writing your, your employee rules, you know, about, you know, you can't be late more than three times and you're terminated. But nobody could get there on time because you, you, there was no way to get there. But it... And, you know, we opened, and it was crazy. The key rooms and a lot of the hotels didn't work. Um, this was, you got to remember, it was six uh, hotels with over 6,000 hotel rooms. Each hotel had a couple of restaurants. Then you had the theme park. You had a nightclub area with a Festival Disney and, you know, uh, all these bars and restaurants. And everything opened up, you know, 9 o'clock in the morning the same day. It was, there was, it was something you'll never see again. Because no, I don't think anybody will be that crazy to do it until they have totally forgotten the pain and agony, and there are no notes left of what you need to do. <laughs> so I know you talked about your, your Euro Disney, you did DC, Atlanta, you've been all over. What brings you to Jacksonville? When I decided to go to law school, I, you know, I was up in Atlanta, so I applied to Emory, uh, Georgia State, and Florida Coastal because it was by the beach. And, uh, you know, Emory rejected me. Uh, Georgia State waitlisted me, and Florida Coastal accepted me. So I called up Georgia State going, I'm on the waitlist. What does that mean? And they said, well, you know, we haven't used it in 10 years. And so I'm sitting there thinking, oh, well, I better not wait on that. And so I just went ahead and picked up and moved down here to, to Coastal. Um, so that's what brought me in. Then I started working with David, and I stayed with him, and I like Jacksonville. I think it's a great town. It's, uh, it's either the biggest small town on the planet or the smallest big city. I, I can't really tell which. We've had those discussions with folks over the time of back and forth which one for sure for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. um, so you've been involved in a lot of cases, especially in this, uh, primarily focusing or fully focusing in this immigration practice area. Yes. What's some great stories from some cases you've been involved in you can share with us? Well, one of, one of my uh, favorite stories is, is really, it's a shaggy dog story. This lady was married in the 80s in Columbia. Her husband uh, ended up coming here, and uh, he kept saying, you know, baby, I'll, I'll send for you, I'll send for you, I'll send for you. So she gets here, finally, at, you know, like 15 years later. And, and, you know, he, he starts filing stuff, but no, nothing ever works. Nothing ever goes through. And so finally, she's about to have her, her interview with immigration, and he just says, because he's now really sick and he's dying, he gives her the, this box of documents and says, I, I'm going back to Columbia myself. And she's like, 
so she shows up at this interview the week before. She's flipping through all these documents. She figures out he had been married not once, but twice after leaving her in Columbia to, to sit there and go, you know, I'm, I'm waiting to go, to go to the US. And so he had committed all sorts of fraud. Obviously, the, that, the first marriage got him here as a, as a permanent resident. And, uh, and so then he uh, finally becomes a citizen, and he files for another lady, and he just is doing all this stuff. And this was, that would never happen today, because immigration and the government is so, so paperwork oriented. So, you know, every file, every dot connected that they can connect, they've, you know, since 9-11, that's what they've been putting money into. But back then, it wasn't like that. It was like following literally a paper trail. So he had managed to do all this. She shows up for her interview at immigration, and they deny it because he wasn't there. Well, then he goes back to Columbia. He dies. So she files for herself as a widow of a US citizen, which she was. Well, they denied it, saying, well, you, you committed fraud, or your husband committed the fraud. He should have never gotten a green card, much less his citizenship. Therefore, we're going to deny you. And I'm like, well, wait, 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 wait. You can't do that. You know, at this point, <laughs> nobody can take it away. You had several opportunities, you know, where you could have taken it away. You could have opened it up. You could have said, or you could have taken it, filed suit in federal court to, to uh, take away a citizenship, and you never did. So he died a U.S. citizen. She's a widow of a U.S. citizen. Give her her green card. It took about two or three years longer, and she finally got a green card. Wow. That is a... It's intense. There's a lot. I mean, that sounds like a lot was going on. A lot of your time, a lot of everybody's time. It was. And, you know, it, some, of these, some of the stories, it's just people. People, you know, there's a lot of unintended consequences. They don't really think, you know, oh, yeah. Um, and they don't really understand how our government works. I think in a lot of governments around the, the world, you can, you know, slip somebody $100 and something will get taken care of, whitewashed, whatever. And it really doesn't function like that here. So, you know, it's just, it's just different. So talk to us a little bit also about what you would think new lawyers, especially probably practicing in your immigration practice area, should know about practicing here in Northeast Florida and practicing immigration. You know, I think, I think it's true for not just immigration attorneys generally or, or all new attorneys should really focus on this, is that there's... Never miss an opportunity to network with other professionals. You don't know when you need to pick up the phone and call uh, your criminal defense buddy or you know your uh, family law friend and go, hey, you know, how does this how does this work out in reality? Um, you just don't know. And you also want people to know who you are. So when they're sitting there and they've got that funny immigration question, they 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 pick up the phone and call you, you know, or send a client to you so that that way. Um, you know, they know where to go. But if they don't know you, and they're, you know, sometimes what I do in an area, you know, somebody calls me up and says, do you know anybody in Tallahassee? And I'm like, eh, I don't know. Let me, let me look at Google and let me see what all these different things kind of say. But I don't know anybody. And you don't want to be that, that guy in, in Jacksonville where there's a million other attorneys and nobody knows who you are. and They're just kind of like Googling around hoping to hit on somebody. Um, what do you think the value and the importance of being part of the Jacks Bar is? You really get plugged into a very congenial bar. 
I love the luncheons. I love the professionalism of the bar. Uh, I love meeting the other attorneys. I've developed long-term relationships with a lot of people over the past, well, since 2006, so 14, 15 years. So we've got one last question we really have been having fun with, um, and I get uh, feedback on our podcast. People tell us this is some of their favorite questions. Um, what's some of your favorite places to have dinner with your family? Well, you know, almost every t Wednesday night, there, you know, Town Hall has a wine tasting. And so, you know, I'll meet with some friends and we try different wines from around the world and uh, have fun eating dinner. Uh, but, you know, I call it the, you know, San Marco kiss of death. You've got Taverna, which I love. You've got uh, Matthews, which I love. And, of course, Rue St. Mark. So it's kind of like, you know, you just circle around. Um, but, you know, we're, we're fortunate in that there's a lot of great restaurants in Jacksonville. I know I, I live not far from that San Marco area, and I get, I've gotten caught in that circle of uh, great <laughs> spots in San Marco for sure. Um, so as folks that we've talked about of networking and making sure you're known to the community and the community knows you, someone has an immigration question or they want to refer an immigration case to you, what's the best way to get a hold of you for that? Well, you know, obviously they can call us or they can email us. Um, for consultations, I do have an office inside the Beach Boulevard Flea Market. And uh, every Saturday from 12 to 5, we have consultations there, preferably with, a, with, a, with an appointment. It's only 20 bucks for, you know, 20 minutes, although they'll go longer if need be. And then Monday through Friday, we'll also do consultations in my office on Atlantic. So it's just depends really taking your office where your clients are. I mean, being at the flea market. How long have you been doing that? I have been, when, when I left David Fletcher's office and I needed to have an office, I ended up, uh, I had a friend who worked as the leasing officer, leasing, leasing person in there, and she said, you know, I've got this office for you here. And it was the old owner's office. It's two rooms with, you know, heating and air conditioning. And I said, 500 bucks a month. If I can't make this work, I, you know, I can't make anything work. So that was my office Monday through Monday through Sunday for, you know, until about 2017. Wow. Well, we thank you for joining us. I think um, folks can, like I say, reach out to you, pop by at the flea market and see you. Um, I haven't been to the flea market in years. I need to get back out there for There's sure. There's a great little Brazilian restaurant right across from my, my office. I, I enjoy a good Brazilian restaurant. You know, it, it, it's... It, it's not like Terry Alsha, but it's, it's, uh, it's close. you know, it's just a little more homespun. See, more of our food questions <laughs> for sure. But uh, thank you, Rebecca, for joining us. We're glad thank you're you. with us today. Uh, we look forward to seeing you all next on our next episode of the Jacksonville Bar Association podcast. <laughs> <laughs>